Beyond Green podcast. This is me being decisive. That was the Horrible Crows with their musical taste of whichever song I chose. I haven't chosen it yet, so we'll find out what it is later. Brought to you by Movie Phone. Dial one for Movie Phone. I'm here with Darren Kester of the Green Majority. Why don't you just tell me the name of the environmental catastrophe you'd like to learn about? And I'm Seven Hostetter. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much. I will stop talking in a ridiculous voice now. Although it was pretty fun. So if you like that voice, let me know, and I will start doing it more uh, dial often. Dial one. Dial one. Uh, but anyways, Darren, you had a topic you want to talk about. Throw it down. I, I just wanted to say the name of it because I wanted to say mm. before I forgot. Because mm. I think it's a clever name. Not clever, just All right. punchy. Hit it. Uh, the hypnotic effect of the 24-hour news cycle. All right. Um, and by which I mean, as I was outlining earlier, just the idea that People keep saying... I was going with some ant analogy. I'm going to skip that. I think there's a better way to talk about it. But basically, the idea is that every time I I go to check the news, I don't check news, environment news, every day. But I do check it regularly. Uh, And one of the things that I find is that, like, almost every time I check it, I realize that I don't really need to check it that often because it's the same stories that are cycled. And what I mean by the hypnotic effect of the 24-hour news cycle is that it seems like there's always a pipeline breaking, mm. and it seems like there's always a, a truck that overdid. Wait, or... wait, before, you, before you continue, I have a suggestion. Mm. We go back and forth trying to name what you'd expect to hear on an average environmental news day, back and forth until one of us fails. <laughs> I will begin. Weird weather. Is it caused by climate change? Probably. <laughs> Local disaster. Is it caused by climate change? Probably not. Let's go with <laughs> pipelines. Are they happening? Probably. We're not sure yet. We'll find out tomorrow. Indigenous people upset because their rights are being ignored. Minister says something that vaguely resembles maybe admitting climate change. Other government officials deny it. <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know about specific stories. Uh, it confuses me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll finish this one off with, Things being destroyed. Will it make climate change worse? Probably. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's about that. But I think it's like specifically to Canada, it's about... Just, like, there are different stories that happen in different places, and it seems all the time, and, like, for instance, like, the, you know, the East Coast might have certain problems, there's a lot of rail, and there's oil, and so there's things, and, uh, I, I just think that, like, like, when was the last time we hadn't heard about a pipeline somewhere having a problem, either spilling or whatever it be, and, the, it, of course, there, there's, there's infrequent large events, like the BP uh, Deepwater Horizon, for instance, so that, that got a lot of specific news coverage, ooh, ah, ooh, Crazy pictures, all that stuff. Mm. But there's also like smaller things that happen constantly, and that's why I don't like I don't understand like how people can even uh, people like you and I might be who who pay attention to the, to, to the environment news will see like a you know an, an environment minister, a nameless environment minister, or something like that saying like oh pipelines are super safe and you know they occasionally have problems, but we're taking every precaution and blah blah blah. Like the, how does nobody else see like every other day there's a spill somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And like so maybe it's like once every two months in Canada, but like there, there's constant pipelines are constantly breaking, oil tanker trucks are constantly breaking, and there's there's spill after spill after spill after spill, and it, like why does nobody notice? It comes back to my my thing about why Zoolander is my favorite movie. There's Will Ferrell. So I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. He only has one look. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I think part of it is that part of it is the fact that it's so constant, right? And and a lot of people don't, you know, we live in in the Twitter world now, and I think a lot of people don't actually read articles; they just read headlines. Mm. And when you you know are used to just like not over the course of weeks or but over the course of years, every two or three days something about a pipeline spill, every two or three days something about indigenous people's rights being trampled to get a new pipeline mm. through, 
every two or three days there's some new law that takes less power away from you and I and more power to corporations and to private interests, that it's lulling, right? Like you start to pay attention less to the specific things and more that this is just happening. And, and, and what the effect of that is, is that you lose count. And, and you lose count and you lose, lose count of like how much and how fast things are happening. So it starts to feel like, oh, it's just that one thing they're still talking about that. No, no, no. It's, there were seven since that. And this is the eighth one. Hmm. And, and what's, what makes me crazy about that was I was even reading an article about, um, yesterday about there was the, uh, from this week, I think the fire may even still be burning, uh, hmm. depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, but in New Brunswick, where there was a, a Two two um, locomotives and I think fourteen tra- train cars or something like that flipped off a off a rail transport. Uh, two of the cars I believe had natural gas. Two of them had crude oil. Really nasty stuff. Hmm. Uh, I think it was something like two propane and two crude oil had spilled over and was now ablaze on the side of a mountain hmm. right near this local town. And there was a quote. For, it was a, quite a long article considering the topic. Usually this is just sort of notarized and people go on, but it was a, it, it was done quite long. Um, quite thoroughly, and there's a comment from one of the local residents being about, yeah, you never know, you know, we never thought about the stuff that was going through our community, blah, blah, blah. So you're kind of like, huh, yeah, you know, that could happen, you know, that happens somewhere in Canada, and that's terrible. But it's like, but they're happening all the time. And, and, and what I don't understand in the article was, A, was that the person being interviewed didn't go, but I'm not surprised because this happens all the time. Hmm. Or where is the regulation for this? They seem like even the people being interviewed seem to have that, man, it's an amazing coincidence there that there was this accident that, that leaked all this dangerous stuff all over the place. Because that never happened. So how weird is it that it happened? <laughs> you know, like bizarre. You know, you never think about it. Hmm. In the sort of sense that like in the, in the way that with someone would comment if their like cousin Steve was hit by a meteor and killed. Hmm. They're like, yeah. You never think to look up, do you? Huh. <laughs> you know, but it's not freaking meteors, man. This is constant. And the other thing was that even, like, even this article that had taken quite a bit of time to get into it and did address many of the environmental mm. concerns and talked about the hazards and all of that stuff, was that even the article didn't make any mention of how many other spills there had been. Mm. But how routinely do we hear that, right? Mm. If there's a terrorist attack, we always hear about how many other terrorist attacks there were. Mm. If there's... An outbreak. We hear about how many people or what, what the death toll from last year's outbreak was. Why not? Where's the continuity? Why not? I don't. I don't understand. And I and I don't even mean to make any simple implication. I'm sort of wrapping up on this point. Mm. I don't even mean to make any implication that this is intentional. Mm. I just don't get it. And 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 maybe it's that the, even the journalists have been sort of lulled into this thing where they don't notice what's going on. But it's it seems to be hypnotic. <coughs> I, I don't have any other expl- explanation. But um, if you're not aware, this shit happens all the time, and it's constant, and it's always happening, and I don't understand. People, and this is the thing, is that when I say people don't talk about it, I don't mean people don't talk about the events. They do. They do mention the individual event, but every single time it gets mentioned, it gets mentioned as a separate event. And so you either pay attention to that one event, and then you don't remember the other ones, or you only ever read the headline, and you get, and you're not, and, and you cease to be aware of the actual volume of the problem. You're just sort of aware that there's this background problem. Hmm. But, but because you don't differentiate between individual events, you don't realize that there's a concern. Hmm. You know, for instance, uh, another example would be the, um, the bath salts. And, you know, if you heard about one story hmm. about, ah, uh, the, the face zombie. Or didn't it turn out that he didn't even, wasn't even on bath salts? Yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> but if you hear one story, you're kind of like, oh, that's, you know, something people might find on Reddit or crazy. That's yeah. one of those, you know, that's the world world and that stuff happens. 
But if there was like 75 cases all in downtown Toronto, <laughs> people would start to pay a lot more attention mm. than, oh, that's a, my fun fact I'm going to say on the subway when I get to the office or, right. you know, I read in the newspaper. It's now, okay, should people, we have a problem here. What are we going to do about this? Mm. And and that's the bridge that, that we need to gap. And I just, I don't understand why. I really don't. Right. I'm not even I'm not even being sort of hyperbolic. I really don't understand because journalists do make this connection all the time. And it seems like this is the only area where they don't do that. I have I have two thoughts. Uh, first one is uh, about sort of the idea of normalizing things to an extent where where you get deadened to larger problems um, or deadened to sort of bad things happening. Basically, I follow this one feed uh, of information. Basically, it's basically it's just about guns in America. Basically, that's all it's about, or it's about guns everywhere. I think. Um, and it's, 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 it's vehemently anti-gun. It's amazingly anti-gun. Like, it's, it's, it's got this whole thing going down. It's, it's, un- it's, it's, it's so, it's anti-gun enough that it sort of matches how pro-gun the pro-gun people are. Like, it's, it's that far. But what makes it interesting is mostly what it does is it just reposts or, or, or brings attention every shooting that happens in America. Like, or, as many as it can. And it's unbelievable the numbers that like as if if you if you don't include like the the crazy ones you just include like the ones that happen it's unbelievable there's just so many and there's so many crazy ones that don't get matched like like it's if you wanted to talk about a a issue that has managed to be completely deadened by of interest regardless of how horrific it is gun culture in the United States is should be your go to i think mm-hmm. because there are just thousands of people dying for literally no reason and no one and and like and and you see right you see left wing groups trying to trying to trying to tie this all together look at all these look at all this, look at all this, look at this and it's just completely but each story still is not part of a mm. larger like it becomes statistics you know they say they always say one death is a tragedy a thousand deaths is a statistic mm. uh, it's a quote from somebody I forget who it is mm. I'll I'll add whoever quote whose quote that is on the uh, underneath here. Um, there were one of the few people who was actually following that. One of the again, it's like super small, like it's a, mm. a, a YouTube thing or whatever. They have a lot of viewers, but mm. like compared to what the news cycle in the yeah. US is, irrelevant small mm. thing. We're like, well, okay, well, technically a mass shooting is anyone where more than three people are mm. are wounded or something. Whatever the definition is, like yeah. there was a technical definition mm. for a mass shooting, mm. uh, and there's been something like seventy mass shootings since Sandy Hook. Yeah, since Sandy Hook. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. No, it, it's and that's only in the U.S. Yeah. No, it's absolutely, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Like the numbers are, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Like it's that's all, that's the only way to describe it. it, it, it it's mind blowing. Like, and you see the groups that when when you're trying to sort of tie all together, you sort of end up seeing like, look, this like five hundred kids have died since X number, like since like two weeks ago. From like, not actually two weeks ago, but like it's it, the numbers are so huge and so insane. But there's just there isn't that pushback mm-hmm. until you get something massive like Sandy Hook. But but even then that that actually that increased gun sales. It's it well, just you have to protect yourself from all the crazy people with guns. Well, no, well, actually, you have to protect yourself from the government who's going to steal your guns by using the death of these kids as a way to steal your guns. I think that's that was the that was the law. Oh uh, yes, the yes. NRA actually like ran or the gun groups ran that on like actually pushed that yeah. as a as a way to sell guns. But anyways, the point of that whole thing was just that I think there's. If you're looking for a poster child of deadening ideas, uh, I think that's a good one. Uh, to get back to, to the sort of idea of, but just to just to differentiate, yeah. because I mean, because uh, to to get further into it, though, yeah. the the issue where you're talking about is that there's a there's like an ideological, like pro gun 
feeling mm. that's being defended there. Now, yes. we can have all sorts of nuanced conversations about, uh, you know, is this about rights or is this about the weapons industry simply tricking a bunch of people into making a lot of money? Mm. Um, you know, those are these things. But, like, in this case where we're talking about, like, where, like, yeah, there's somebody that looks bad. It's, mm. it's the, like, the oil companies. But there's, like... I mean, I guess that you can, I don't think you can say that there's a and, and you weren't, but I don't think mm. one could say that that to 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 make them equivalent that there's like a pro oil by rail lobby and that oil by rail makes you safer. Like it's no, yeah, but I, I mean, like there, there there's reasons for people to deny it, but it's not mm. like there are people who are standing up going oil spills, oil spills, oil right. spills, right. right? So I don't. But I, I think, don't know. I don't. I think. I, I think they're. I think they're incredibly comparable. I, like, I, I don't know, there's absolutely no one who is obviously pro oil spills, but oil pro oil. Yes. And what you see, and I think what I was going to get to actually, so that, that segues perfectly into what I was going to say next, is that what's so interesting about the difference between whenever you hear about a pipeline spill, the statement is always that's why we should do. We'll do it by rail. Whenever you hear about a rail spill, it's always that's why we'll do it by pipelines. And and so it's always the transportation that gets the, the the value of the transportation that gets stuck. No one ever bothers, No one ever takes it back to the let's try to stop having oil at all, except for green groups. The mainstream media does not. That's not a conversation that people are having because I think we have not successfully got the idea of a oil free world into the minds of anybody. So basically, Canadians are on mass, mm-hmm. you know, as a group, not as individuals. Or that guy who buys a, you know, gets talked into a salesperson <coughs> to buy a, a DDR, mm. brings it home, it's a piece of crap, doesn't work. Mm. And when he brings it back to complain to get his money back, he instead gets convinced to, no, 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 that's because you need the higher end model and to bring it back and actually buy a, buy an even more expensive one. Is that basically what you're saying? Uh, sort of, I, I would say, I would say it's more like a guy who is <laughs> trying to buy cable from either Rogers or Bell and they're sort of like, well, you're going to have to get it somehow. And they are they both shit? Yes. But what else are you going to do? Not have internet? Like we're sitting in a house without internet, We and we need internet. That's the first thing. We're being told we need internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we feel like we need internet, because look, the whole world runs on the internet, right? And our only options are Bell and Rogers, and they both Without stop. the internet, you're just talking to me right now. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and confusingly, who wants to do that? Yeah, exactly. And especially, I'm talking to the confusingly projecting voice. <laughs> Hello, Darren, I'm in your basement. It's confusingly loud here. Why am I talking like this? Why am I projecting so much? Um, but no, like, I really think there's that... The, the problem is that we no one has managed to convince anyone that the idea shouldn't be how best to transport oil, but... Do we need to transport this at all? Mm. Or how can we stop having to transport so much? I guess is the first question. Um, and, and, and that's why I think, where I think the media doesn't, doesn't go ever. Mm. There's also, like, there's no sort of... I, I'm just, like, because like, this is one of those things where, like, uh, I mean, a lot of the times where I've said stuff either here on this podcast or on the radio show, um, where I've been sort of, like, intentionally leading with, one, with like, a question. But like, I sort of, because I do do that intentionally... Uh, I have to like just identify. I'm really not now. I like. I'm really mm. genuinely sort of confused. Like I, a lot of the time, I have pet sort of theories on why mm. everything happens. But I don't know. I still this. I still remain mystified. I do because because it gets because it's stuff that gets reported, mm. and people seem to have like people have a continu- continu- continuity of memory on seemingly everything else. It's it it it's coming to the point where I'm like I'm what to what extent must it be willful. I, I don't know. I think. Well, I, I really think that because it is seen so strongly as a part of our lives, because it is so understood as this is just how it is, 
uh, this is a this is a requirement for our current way of life. So there's no point in really being like, look at all of these things. It's similar to car deaths, right? Mm. Everyone has to drive. Everyone has to drive. Put that in air quotes. And be, so because of that, hundreds and thousands of people can die and on on roads. But that's just that's just how it is because everyone has to drive anyways, and everyone will willfully go to drive some more. Like, yeah, but when we had to do that, we we still put in things like seatbelt laws. Right. So where's the seatbelt laws for the trains? Like that's that's environmental over assessments. Right. That's what, well, we gutted that. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, so we have a lot of we need cars. No conversation about mm. that. Uh, but we're having a lot of traffic deaths. I know. Let's enforce the speed limit of minimum 100 miles an hour, minimum at all times. Mm. That will have less traffic deaths. That's mm. how we solve this problem. Like what? <laughs> I, like, yeah, less regulation. Right. I know the people who have every vested interest to make as much money as possible and make you pay for as much as possible so they can maximize their profits because they have a legal obligation to do so under the law as a corporation. Yeah, let's put them in charge. Mm. I like. I just. I don't understand. It's. I, I come back to it all the time. That's why I love it so much. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Right. I don't. I don't understand why nobody else understands. I, I don't. I don't think no one sees it. I think a lot of people see it. I think there's a good set of people who are like, this is a real problem. And I bet you there's a lot of people who would support stronger train rail laws about that sort of stuff. The amount, but, uh, but up to the point at which, yes, you're right, but. If it ever got to the point where the rules would be so constrictive that it raised the price of the... Like, if, if right. it was more than an, an, an irrelevant amount of money, mm. then it would be no. Right. And that's the difference, though, between that and seatbelt. Seat like, there was no argument from car... I'm sure there was, but nobody gave a rat's ass about the arguments from car manufacturers when they were resisting, and they did, mm. uh, resist, like, mandatory seatbelts seat belts in yeah. all cars. We're like, well, this is going to raise the cost. And we're like, yeah, too bad we don't care, mm. because this is, like, the cost isn't the issue here. What we're trying... Human life is the issue. Mm. I think there's a strong case to be made that... Humanity has been consistently and intentionally distancing itself from its environment since it began agriculture. I think you can say mm. that that we have our if if there's one consistency of increased of, of what humanity has done in the last three four thousand years, it is that we have removed ourselves from more and more and more of the world's actual effects. Speaking of which, if you want to uh, watch it because you're trapped in your your house uh, today, perhaps on a, a I know it's kind of warm today, yeah. but on a snowy day, if you need to be trapped in your house yeah. I, uh, and feel like being insanely depressed. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend a documentary uh, called Life at the End of Empire, mm. uh, which is basically someone who started out as a very starry-eyed um, idealist environmentalist mm. and is a documentary outlining the information that caused them to have a sort of fall from grace from mm. that, we're going to do it, to a, no, we're pretty fucked. Mm. Uh, and it's really interesting because they, they, they basically, like, it was their personal journey as all of their idealisms were lost and they realized the world that they were actually living in. Mm. And he cites everything and gives reasons. So it's basically all these, like, kind of short lists of, then I thought of that and then this and that and then this relates to this. And it's so, and, and meanwhile, they're playing all this uh, this footage from, like, the, the 50, like, old kind of stock footage right. of, like, trains racing towards a wall. And all. <laughs> <laughs> it's very powerful, but it's like, and, like, I understand, like, people don't, don't think about it, but it's, uh, for instance, I was watching an interview with uh, Glenn Greenwald, mm. with Ruth, somebody, somebody from some Washington reporter, okay. uh, going back and forth, and, and Glenn Greenwald was just ripping her new one. Of course, they were talking about Edward Snowden and mm. all that stuff, right? And and private internet privacy and yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So different topic, but relevant mm. uh, in the sense that. <clears throat> She was saying, well, you know, this other person did this, and he, he should do that, and, you know, he should have stayed and, and let the law take its course. And Glenn Greenwald was like, but the whole reason he left is that, like, how can you... <laughs> He's like, he found evidence that a government was 
per- knowingly participating in criminal acts. And you're telling him that he should voluntarily give himself up to that same government to decide his fate? Hmm. The whole it's, it's mutually exclusive. The whole reason why we have an issue is because he demonstrated that they can't be trusted to follow within the law. And your argument is that the, his course of action should have been to give himself to them for the law. He's like, he would have ended up on a CAA black site. We never would have heard about him ever hmm. if that had happened. Like, and it, it, whatever, you can get into your conspiracy thing. But, like, it's the same thing on this where it's like, we... This, you know, people are going to yell, well, if, you know, if this, if climate change was an issue, then it would be a political issue. And clearly it isn't an issue I have to worry about because no politician speaks about it. It's like, no, 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 you've got that backwards. <laughs> you've got that entirely backwards. Hmm. Politicians don't talk about it because you don't talk about it. Hmm. It's, it's not the way it works. You're right. inverting the way the system works. Hmm. And, and that's something that I think that is legitimate where that I've sort of, that's my opinion, and and it's also something I think I can demonstrate. But it's 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 respective thing, and that is not something where I don't expect everybody to have that same feeling. So mm. I'll sort of give everybody a pass on that one. Right. As far as like that 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 should be the way you think about stuff. Right. But I think I, if you don't think that way, give me five minutes of your time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think I can make a pretty compelling case. Right. We had an interesting conversation a couple uh, a while back uh, about what what people follow and sort of the idea that leaders are the ones who sort of bring voice to the to the masses basically and that people were more looking to follow sort of charismatic leaders and that politicians can often provide that in that sense what i find interesting is of course there have been uh politicians at least in canada who have talked in very serious terms about dealing with with climate change unfortunately they were not very good at politicians and then got absolutely destroyed uh, Dion being the most, the biggest example, given he ran on a carbon tax, right. and 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 to watch the Liberal Party back away, so, the Federal Liberal Party back away so quickly and so fe- like and so devastatingly from any real idea to basically the, the environment's not important now. Like now, like weed like legalization is a bigger priority for the Liberal Party now than climate change. Mm. Not that I don't support like legalization of weed, whatever, but like. That's it's number nine thousand yes. on the list of things that need to be done. Yeah, we're not you know we're not the states. We don't have. But to... it's on the list. You heard me. I'm yeah. on record. All right. saying it's on the list. <laughs> it's on the list, but it's 9, not 000. exactly. <laughs> um, and it's just sort of like there have I think there, there have been politicians, but the problem is that they haven't. I don't know if they haven't conveyed the message well enough. I think a big problem is that there's been a failure to convince. The people who just have things to do in their lives, you know, the people who have three kids, a kind of stressful job, and that's what they and they, they and that's their life. Like that's the end of their life. Their life is literally they have they they have their good parents to their kids, and then they and they do that, and then they everything else has to come second because that's the end of the time. Those are the people who, regardless of whether or not, uh. We are now wondering why aren't they like why aren't they thinking about this? And I think I don't think you can really necessarily blame them for not thinking about this. However, what that means isn't that it's not a problem. What it means is that those of us who have the luxury to think about this and those people who are in charge have to find a way to make what that person is doing that person's life just as easy as we transfer off carbon than it is now. Mm. Like we have to invest in a way to make their lives like do not make their lives worse. While finding a way to improve the system, and I think, and I think that's that's the real thing. And I would be, and I think, I think if you can find a way to convey how their lives would be improved, mm. or how their lives would be, uh, or at least would be the same, 
then you start getting more people. Like that's what, that's what bothered me so much about how about how the carbon tax is always portrayed in the media. Because a, it's not the government come, coming in and, and, and solving your problem. It's by definition, it's letting the market do it. Exactly. But as soon as you mention, but as soon as you mention carbon, that's what people people have got in their minds: the idea that this carbon tax is but big government and actually going to increase taxes. And neither of those things are the case. But on the second, though, I think people can be forgiven. On that, because like I think that is a genuinely confusing point where you say a tax isn't going to raise cost. Right. That like that is that is part of the critical part of the messaging that was not worked out. Yeah. And, exactly. and it was actually critics largely who who made that tax word stick. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we were talking about pr- a price on carbon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a way that would be better to talk about it. That it was the critics who sort of like cemented carbon tax as yeah. the two word definition of what that of what yeah. that policy entailed. And of course, it's a very intentionally misleading mm-hmm. implication. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's not entirely accurate. Like, yeah. Just the name carbon tax isn't entirely accurate. Exactly, yeah. It's put on Twitter and start following. Uh, and, their, and their tagline is, the first part of the tagline is, I want to get rid of income tax. And I was like, I'm not going to agree with you, am I? You already say, I'm like, why are you following me? That's a weird thing to do. The next line is, and replace it entirely with the carbon tax. And I was like, that actually makes some sense. Like, that's the way, like, if like, you don't want your income tax, fine, we'll tax carbon and carbon only. Um, and then and then and then let the market figure it so out. So what do we do when in five seconds we have a carbon free world? <laughs> what are we supposed to do then? Are we I supposed to raise taxes? See, that's not terrible, but <laughs> um, and I, like again, I don't think you could, you could do that right away. You'd have to find some way to implement the whole thing because I think that'd be a very uh, it'd be a very interesting world. You to would live have in. armed revolution before that happens, and the reason for that is because that basically is the world's fastest way to empty the pockets of the top two percent and dump it into the hands of all the poorest people in the world. Well. Uh, not, not, <laughs> that is that would that would entail the largest redistribution of wealth in the history of mankind. One I support, right? But it, that's why it would never happen. Mm. I don't know. I, I think I think I think you'll probably end up seeing that's sort of civic policy, right? I think you'll probably end up seeing some sort of middle ground. But I think there's what's interesting. I think when you think about the carbon tax for, for that that exact idea for a bit longer is that there are a whole bunch of people who will start being more rich, like the people the 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 people who have a job that makes them a ton of money that doesn't that isn't carbon intensive. Are going to get loaded because suddenly all suddenly because suddenly they don't, they no longer have to they're no longer paying income tax so they but get 40 percent of their of their money back. But you could I don't think you could find a job that's that like even like the first thing I thought of for instance when mm. you're like oh people that would people that would be really wealthy that maybe wouldn't be affected by that tax mm. uh, a really good example would be a stock trader right someone who works on Wall Street mm. or Bay Street mm. because they have opportunity to make millions of dollars a year but they don't. Oh wait! But every single one of the stocks they're trading is based on carbon, but which means that they're, what they're trading is now. So, like, there isn't really anyone who would be able to be outside of that system because even if they them, even if they personally weren't buying and selling things with carbon in it, mm. the things that they were buying and selling, whatever that was, would have carbon in it, and thereby their entire business structure would be changed. I think some of the more classic jobs, though, definitely, you know, people who are uh, lawyers, mm-hmm. doctors. Um, people who are sort of running businesses that aren't carbon related, basically. You know, like if you're if you run, but a, their inputs are still going to be so heavily carbon based that that it's going to affect them. Oh, it's going to affect them. But will it take forty percent of their wealth, like income tax does? I don't know. It might shut down their company. I mean, like well, talking about people's profit margins and stuff. If you like, it, it would drastically change the 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 face of the, the face oh, yeah. of business. But yeah. I, I just I, I would be very cautious to. To imply that there'd be anyone who wouldn't be affected. Oh no, I don't mean I don't mean I wouldn't be affected. I'm saying there's, there 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 are jobs and there are people out there who would who would see their lives 
like they would actually make more money. There, there are people out there. Oh, certainly. There, there, there are yes. a lot of groups who would who would who would lose money, obviously, given that given the system that we live in. But there's a lot of groups that that would, that would very much prosper, um, or at least wouldn't be hurt in their sort of typical job. Mm. Um, even you know, even sort of more normal jobs, like like my 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 dad works as a law book editor. Most of it's electronic, so I guess you could argue that the fossil fuels used to to, to control the. Uh, the data centers theoretically would increase the cost, and they couldn't afford to pay him as much. Who knows how that would work? But like, but basically, you know, you'd be, you wouldn't see a huge dip in in, in in price of carbon. But then I guess everything costs more. And that's the number one thing that I think the price of carbon will cause. Mm-hmm. Um, given that we're not really on topic at all anymore, so I'm going to give up. So I'm going to go on the, the problem with price of carbon, which we've I've, I've dealt with before, and I. I always come back to it, and one day I will figure out exactly how to write about it and talk about it in a way that, I, that, that, that I'll be really happy with. But the idea that absolutely everything is going to start having to cost way, way, way more is such a problem. <laughs> because there's just not a way to sort of get that idea through without it sounding like exactly what I just said. Mm. Like, and, but when, like, when we had the... The episode on the carbon tax, yeah. there were some people from the Climate Citizen Lobby who thankfully came in uh, and were explaining exactly how that would mean, mm. uh, is that it's, it's, the implication is that there would be a lot of changes, but, but not, it's, it's not a sort of, as we, as we identified before, it's not a carte blanche, everything mm. goes up situation. Right. Uh, and a lot of the times where it would be like, uh, a price would go up, but then you would get a tax rebate back kind of right. giving it for you. So it's sort of like you're reminded this is way more than this, but you don't actually end up, you end up getting that difference back. Mm. It's just that you see the difference when you go to the cash register right. and that that hopefully incentivizes you making different choices mm. at the cash register. But you're, and at the end of the day, you're still going to get that sort of whatever that 20% tax on one was and a 1% mm. tax on the other thing was, you end up getting that 19% back in your income tax right. or something like that. Right, so right. it ends up being, being sort of value neutral. Yeah. It's just a sort of at the cash register to right. way to remind you about this is devastating to the environment and this one isn't. Would you please yeah. uh, maybe consider buying this, the, yeah. the more friendly one? Yeah. You know, and, then that's, and I think that would be... Like, I think what we, you'd probably have to see was, would be a slowly implemented carbon tax over time. Uh, but to get back to the idea of news media and talking about the environment and how it sort of is deadened because there's only like eight stories that are ever told. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't think of a disaster great enough that would actually change the tide of where we are right now. There's not going to be a Sandy Hook for the environment. I guess you'd say BP was. Sandy Hook wasn't even a Sandy Hook for Sandy Hook. That's a good so, point. I mean... That's a good point. There you go. So perhaps that's the better example. There's, like, there's not... I don't think there can be an environmental disaster big enough to actually change the tide of public opinion. I think what we're, we're stuck with is... Hope, wait, we have to we have to make the change ourselves. I think, like, we have to demand that these are issues that are important, and we have to stand up and be like, "No, let's actually figure this shit out." Because if we don't, we're we're going to be listening to these discuss these terrible, terrible disasters every couple days, mm. and that will be awful. One one thing I I have sort of noticed though is like as I'm as I'm going around, I mean, one of the good thing about all this uh, about all the goofy weather that we've been mm. having here in Toronto, anyways, is that. Like, it's absolutely ludicrous to say, like, this day's weather... I, I recently posted a, a John Stewart facepalm mm. uh, saying, climate change is a hoax because it's cold today <laughs> where I live, <laughs> which is... Yeah. Which is good. But, and so it's like, it's not a legitimate argument for it, but I, it's still useful. Like, the misconception is still useful in the sense that I can... I go around constantly to people and every single time for the past, like, month... As we've been having this insane weather over the holidays and Toronto was all but wiped off the map for a week and all that. Is it every single time anyone said, 
mum about the uh, about the weather, <clears throat> I was like, "Yep, it's gonna get worse for twenty years. Climate change, woohoo!" And no. and it allowed me to bring it up like At every five minutes to like a hundred uh, people. Mm-hmm. I'm still gonna get you the citation on that number, by the way, because mm-hmm. you don't believe me. It's from my climate change course. You can argue with my professor. Uh, uh, <laughs> which, which, which we should explain. Uh, yesterday, Darren said it was 20 years, getting worse for 20 years. My understanding is that carbon stays in the atmosphere for 100 years. So what I believe is the case is likely that it takes 20 years for all of the carbon that we've emitted now to get fully into the atmosphere. So I imagine what you were saying is it gets worse for the next... Well, like, if we stop you know, carbon it's today... You're, it's, you're talking about carbon. I'm talking about effects. Right. So it's about like the the... The amount of carbon in the atmosphere will take 20 years to stabilize. And what it means is that there's a lag on the effects. Right. So if we, if we have a climate system that would be prone to climate A, mm-hmm. we emit it here. It just takes 20 years for the actual effects of that climate system, for the, for the lag of the effects to catch up. So what you're talking about is carbon. Or this, what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is effects. They're two, okay. they're two different things. Um, but uh, anyway... Um, what was that about now? Uh, you were talking about the fact that the weather allows you to talk about 20 years of... Oh, right. No, just the ability to, like, go on is that I've been going up to, like, every single person that I've met and being, like, every time anyone says anything about the weather, mm-hmm. be like, climate change, climate change. And what's, and what's funny is, A, is that, that that's not really a good argument because I've, as we identified it, one day's weather or even mm-hmm. a couple days' weather in one place where you live is not relevant mm-hmm. to whether or not there's climate change. But it's because it's something tangible that, like, while it's there, I feel an obligation to point it out, even mm. though it's not. It's like, it's like there's a there's a meteor you can only you know heading for Earth that you can only see in between nine and nine fifteen. Mm. Uh, then between nine and nine fifteen, I'm poking every single person. Well, <laughs> like the meteor's still there all day. Right. But like, if I have this one opportunity to remind people that it's coming, just because you can only see it for a few minutes, mm. then I'm going to mention it. Mm. And it, what's interesting though is that I've noticed that. As opposed to previous years, because you, well, you and I have both been sort of doing what mm. we do for quite some time now, is that I'm starting to I'm starting to see a change in reaction. Mm. I am, and in the sense, and, and this is of course just my experience in my little corner of the world. We care about climate change where I am right now, today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, I, I have started to people see people, and it's not even like, yeah, you're right, that's a concern. It's really, yeah. But it's the sort of sense where they're like, I've been here, like, what it, what it sounds to me like I hear in people's heads when they re- respond to when I do that, is that they go, yeah, you know, I've been hearing about this for quite some time, but maybe there is something to it. Hmm. That really does seem to be people's impression over and over and over again. So I don't think it's that people are actively denying it, necessarily. I don't think it's that, it, it's sort of what we're saying. It's just this hypnotic thing where you hear about it. It's like, yeah, climate change is going on. Yeah, there's a war in the Middle East. It's you know, it's stuff that's going on out there, but my world is is in, includes you know me, my wife, and my three year old, mm-hmm. and maybe grandma, mm-hmm. and and that's to the. I think grandma's a jerk. That's I hate grandma too. No, mm-hmm. sorry, grandma. Um, but like that's their world, right? Yeah. And anything outside of that is outside, mm-hmm. and and it's a very understandable, incredibly toxic way to live your life. Yeah. Well, I think what's, what's very interesting about that is we discussed it in last week's show. So if you're a regular listener, you'll, you'll remember this. Darren has not listened to the show. But... I have not. I was off that way. Yeah. Uh, but at one point in time, we were talking and about... And if I'm not on it, I don't care. So. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I listened... <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so what we were talking about during that time was whether or not the, you know, the world's getting worse or better. 
And I referenced when we went to the CSI Annex, and we all stood in that sort of circle of getting worse to getting better sort of thing. And we're in a group of, we're in a, we were in a group of a bunch of people who were all obviously active in something, because they all were there in the middle of the day doing some sort of thing on some big issue that they felt very strongly about, very passionate about, because this was what they were doing. It was like, these were all entrepreneurs doing something very, what they felt very important. So they were all very active and engaged people, generally, mm-hmm. in, in the world. And the que- what I found so interesting was when they asked the question if the world's getting better or worse, there were only like three of us on the worst side. It was like there was and, – and, and everyone sort of looked at us like, ah, oh, come on, guys. We'll be dicks. You guys are being dicks over here on the, uh, on the worst side. And then you get the people sort of going like, you know, giving platitudes about why the world's getting better, you know, and, and all that. Um, but like if even the people who actively engage in the world, actively understand what's actually going on in the world – don't see climate change as pervasive enough of a problem that it's actually making the world worse, right, as we speak. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have a hope in hell on the people who at that time were at their office job doing some work, some other work, and have to go home to their kids. Mm-hmm. Like, if we can't get the people who are actively engaged to understand how bad of an issue this is, what hope in hell do we have on anyone else? Right. We have, like... And we're talking, and next week we're going to talk about talking about environmental media and why our messaging isn't going getting out there, which is sort of what we'll talk about more next next week. But like, that's a serious question. I don't know if eighty percent of people, and part of it probably has to do with the fact that these were people who involved in social change, and so they all really wanted to make the, the world better, and so they they wanted to like feel like they could make the world better, and the world is getting better for X number and Y reasons. Mm. But it's not. It's just not like if you want if you want to throw the gauntlet down. Anyone who wants to throw the gauntlet down with me and actually come and argue with me on the comment section or hell, come on the show <laughs> and try to convince me that the world is getting better, I act- actively encourage you to do so. I think we could even potentially come up with a prize. There like, we go. If you can, if you can get Stefan or I, either of us, you don't even yeah. getting both of us is an impossible task <laughs> because. Uh, it, it would just be because uh, my innate sense of like not wanting anyone to ever win that strongly, would just, <laughs> I would just deny it anyway. But if you can convince either of us, we'll come up with some with some sort of prize. Yeah. But I think uh, what you're getting at, and uh, I think is critical, and we'll sort of maybe start to wrap up in yeah. that in that area of uh, a was that this is a very good place to remind people that that's exactly why we're, we're doing. Mm. Uh, Stefan and I are both currently self-employed slash unemployed. <laughs> To make this case heard as loud as possible, we're talking to you. We feel that sort of the Beyond Green podcast is sort of our uh, is groups of people that are probably already quite interested in the environment, and so this is a conversation that we're hoping to have sort of uh, to you and with you as much as possible. So a reminder to please, you know, comment on the thing, or you can uh, email us or anything like that if you want to take part um, in uh, putting in some information for it, uh, uh, participate in any way. Please do. Uh, but everything else that we're doing is trying to find ways to go out and shake people. <coughs> it's, it's something that's desperately needed, and, and that's why sort of we're, we're hoping so much that, uh, that people will support us. We've done a, a lot of work recently on filling out a lot of the information. Mm. Um, so we're not simply ask, begging uh, for your money, but we're begging you to go and look at our argument as to what exactly we want to do and, and do it. So if I, may, if I may, I'll just wrap up by saying, uh, I'm not asking you to give me your money. I'm mm. asking you to go and read my argument as to why you should give me my money. Yes. So I want my writing to convince you, not my words. Yeah. Uh, so, so hopefully uh, we'll have the forms ready. Actually, we will have at least the, the member form ready for when this podcast is released yes, next that will be on live. Tuesday. So that will be – I'll link to it under uh, here if you want to support us in any way you can. That would be awesome, obviously. I think, I think what we've come back to you know, as a, as a wrap-up for this entire thing and sort of wrap-up of that as well is that what we really want to do is we want to create – 
you know, you mentioned before creating a narrative uh, and sort of continuing the sort of thought and bring people back that one step. Ideally, what we would do is we'd have the time to really think about, instead of just sort of informing the people who are informing and helping these groups, we want to find the people who aren't being reached yet and reach them. That's what we... If I, if I could do anything, that's what I want to be doing. And I if that be... means in person by physically knocking on their door, then we'll do it. Yes. Like, this, if by any means necessary yeah, yeah. sort of thing. There's, what we need to do is find a way to get that message across. And the more capital we have coming in from members, the more time we can spend doing that exactly. That's that's basically it. Right. Um, right now, a lot of our time is spent trying to find a way to pay rent. Yes. As soon as we don't have to find a way to pay rent, then all of our time now becomes a customizable lightsaber of justice yeah. for the environment. Which we, yes, which we will wield with the, the force <laughs> as we as we continue that analogy. We sort of talk a lot in I, anyone I talk to, I can have so many conversations with the failings of mainstream media in reporting environmental news. But what I think really is important is that we need someone in a strong voice that actually can get this beyond its sort of network a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's great places out there like there's The Guardian that has environment section. There's Eco News. There's the Grist. But there's still something. We're still not winning. We're still not getting our message out there. Environment news should be half the news. We need every single environment group to succeed. And I think that's, uh, like, this again, we've gone, we continue to go on weird tangents. So I'm going to end with this. Um, but we need every single environment that exists to succeed. And that's one of the mandates of what we've started now, the Green Majority we've started, is that any environment group that comes up to us, we want to help, basically. Mm. We want, that's what we want to be doing. We want to be helping environment groups succeed because we need an actual movement mm-hmm. to start. We can't have, we can't have a one 4,000 march done by one group that no one else really attends and no one pays attention to, and that happens four times a year. What we need is a constant, constant push. Mm. And we need the ability that at every single... And you need that kind of uprising that you saw with, like, Occupy. Like, Occupy proved that there exi- that there are people out there who... Care enough. Care to enough. Come leave their house. Yeah, and, yeah. See, and, see, and, and, and see that there are problems. What we need is an organized group that can actually focus on the environment. It's a, there's, a, there's an army waiting to be mobilized. A non-violent army, CSIS, because I know you're <laughs> listening. Man, we have 18 followers on this podcast. <laughs> 17 of our CSIS. No, it's, uh, the last thing, though, because I, I really want to I, I want to hammer this because it's it's sort of the last thing that we sort of haven't put into the website yet because I'm, I'm still thinking so hard, and, and this will be my final comment. Right. Um, was that it's it's and I apologize to go on on what sounds like an advertisement, but it's a really critical critical point, mm. uh, which is that a lot of the time when when you and I are talking about what we're trying to do, we have to we we end up using very vague language, mm. right? And so it's a sort of thing where someone might look at that and be like, "So you want me to fund you to do what exactly?" Mm. Right? Because we don't have a you know we don't our the the point of the whole like it's not we're not an organization that produces a podcast, we're yeah. not an organization that produces a, a radio show mm. or a TV show or even all three of those things. Um, it's so much more than that. But the whole, like, the point of us saying is, like, we need to do stuff and having to use vague language is because one of the major downfalls of all the charities, not-for-profits, and all these existing groups is why they're critical but insufficient to solve the problem, as we have 40 years of demonstrating that they're critical but insufficient mm. to fix these problems, is, is that it's not like there's just one thing that needs to be done where as long as you can get someone to consistently do that one thing, then all the problems are solved. Mm. Is that a lot of these issues are, like, what it is that's failing from falling in between, <coughs> falling into the cracks between all the existing groups mm. is a constantly shifting and dynamic 
thing. Like, what is critically necessary to being done changes on a daily basis. Mm. And the reason nobody can keep up is because no organiz- no traditional NGO or not-for-profit or charity can possibly be that adaptable. Mm. What we're asking you to do is to specifically support us to be the glue that runs in between all these other bricks. Mm. Like, the, the, the whole point of it is not, it's not that we, you know, we don't have a specific mandate as far as specifically these are the things that we do and we're going to do these things mm. regularly that's intentional that's the entire point that's mm. not a, that's not a sign of not having thought it through mm. that's the, that's our greatest strength mm. but now accountability be like well i don't want to i don't want to fund something where i don't know what's doing no no that's the whole point of the members email we're going to mm. be telling you exactly this is what we've done this is why we're doing it and you can have an input into that process mm. fitting finale i think to this to this thought which is basically that if we can come back from the very beginning of the idea of everyone we really are having a problem with that in that information is not seeping into people's minds in a way that it needs to. We sort of have all this information out there. We're in this massive, cohesive, you know, people are getting information shot at their faces thousands and thousands of times a day. And it's not having the effect it needs to, especially on climate change and especially on these kind of these kind of issues. And so what I think and I think you're right, when you mentioned the idea of um of our business model, basically what we're built on at base is trust. I think we need people to trust us that we will be doing things that will move the fight forward. And that's what we need first and foremost. We're basically, what we're doing right now, if you ever, like, inherently in asking for money, we're basically being like, we really think we can make a difference. You have to trust us that we can make a difference and allow us to prove that we do. Mm. Basically, it's, and I mean, it's it's on trust. I understand what you're saying, but it's like it's not like we haven't been doing this for ten years already. No, like there's a good reason. Oh, yeah, we well, think there's a, we think we have a good case as to why you should trust well, us. I, I think we have an excellent case that we obviously give a shit. It's like anyone who would argue that either of us, given how many times we've how long we've volunteered on doing environment stuff, have anything but actual interest in the environment to move forward, would be a very hard case to make. Yeah. If you doubt us, it should be that you don't think you we can doubt do our it. ability, <laughs> yeah. not our commitment. Exactly, there should be no doubt as to our commitment. Exactly, I agree. Um, but so I really think that to sort of bring it back to sort of trying desperately to wrap up every weird thing we've talked about. Um, <laughs> if you what what I really think is 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 key is that if you really do see the problems we're outlining. And even if, and if, like, if you're the, like, literally, as I said before, I, last time I checked, we have 18 subscribers to this podcast. So if you're one of the people who listens to the podcast right now, I'm quite convinced you do care, given the numbers uh, that I've seen. Like, there, there are other ways to listen to it. You might not, there might be 30, 40, 50, who knows how many people actually listen to this. I can't, we can't really tell. And we'd prefer there was more. Exactly. So if you, you know, tell your friends to listen, that'd be excellent. But even the CSIS guys, like sign up your wife and your kids. Yeah, fuck it. Come on, you, you guys help us out. CSIS, right? CSIS, anyone? <laughs> you know, your overseer supports. Uh, if, you, if you if you're trying to bait us into entrapment, the more listeners we think we have, then uh, the uh, more encouraged we'll be to, uh, to do know, something uh, stupid. To do something stupid. So although you know. argument, we're not going to do anything stupid. We're not going to do anything illegal. Please don't arrest us. <laughs> As a complete aside, you did, you did remember to tick the partially satire uh, yes, box. On yes, the, please, uh, God. <laughs> I, like, I can't remember who was. It was Kevin. That it recently that I had to remind him that he was like started going on about revolution. And I was like, Kevin, you mean nonviolent or violent yeah. revolution? Yeah. It's like nonviolent, nonviolent. Yeah, non-violent. exactly. Like, yeah. That is a key distinction to make when yeah. you have a, a nationally syndicated microphone. Yes, we don't we don't <laughs> advocate violence and we want to work through the system to improve the world. Yeah. And we would love it if you would help us out. I'm if uh, you as have... much as, as passionate as I sound, I'm actually one of the most nonviolent people <laughs> you'll ever meet. So uh, if you have any comments on this, which even if it's why did you guys talk for twenty 
minutes about how I should give you money. That's a reasonable comment. <laughs> and you can leave that out there and we'll apologize next week. Please do. Thank you for listening. And this is going to be Behold the Hurricane by the Horrible Crows to play us out. Silhouettes say haunt this house Like a memory haunts me now